There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, hello, everyone. And you join us, surprisingly, again in very quick succession, because this whole Omega Moonswatch conversation was really exploded. Um, I've been enjoying reading comments uh, in yesterday's video and around the internet to see what people's different takes are on whether the moon swatch is a good idea by Omega. Clearly it's a very unique and novel idea within the watch space. And um, what I wanted to do is gather up some of those thoughts to pose a for and against this execution of the moon swatch uh, for, for you and I to discuss, Tom. Mm -hmm. um, what, what have your initial takes been on some of the feedback you've seen on these watches? Um, I, well, most it's funny. Most of what I've read is people saying, ignore the hate. I think these are really fun. But oh, that's all I've seen. I haven't actually seen any hate. Um, <laughs> so I, I think generally people are taking these in the spirit they're intended, which is just some fun kind of knockabout watches. Um, yeah, and that... It's a very good point. I haven't actually seen any of that hate, and I wonder if that's a preemptive strike from people commenting about the potential hate. Yeah. But something that really struck me is that all of the feedback that I've been seeing has been predominantly from the watch enthusiast community. And that got me to thinking about this product and about the market and about Omega's relationship with Rolex and how the Moon Swatch uh, combats... Uh, that situation combats the status quo. So what I wanted to do, I want to propose to you the four argument for the Moon Swatch as a product uh, for its benefit to Omega, um, and quite specifically its benefit to Omega, not to the watch enthusiast community, and uh, as will become clear in a moment. Um, and then I'll, then I'll propose the against. Um, but for the four, here's, here's some information for you. People who buy watches like Rolex and Omega tend to be around the age of 35 okay. to 45. Makes sense, doesn't it? The, the high value, earnings potential, all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But only 10% of those people are watch enthusiasts. Right. Like people like you and I who might be interested to know that the movement has silicon in it or the beat rate or the heritage uh, in any kind of detail. A surprising 90% of people who buy watches like Rolex and Omega are buying them because it's an aspirational product. The brand reflects your achievement and status. 
Um, and all of those kinds of good things that get people into Porsches and BMWs uh, with Gucci and all of those all of those things. It's, it's an outward appearance of status and success and an inward feeling of achievement. And I'd like to say at this point that I've seen a lot of comments in a very negative light about that kind of buyer. Uh, and there are two, there are two sentiments here. One, it's a luxury product. It's a, it's a watch. People can buy it for whatever reasons they like. That's their, that's their prerogative. And two, 90% of the people buying these watches buy it for that reason. And so if those people stopped buying watches like Omega, Omega would go under. Omega is not sustainable by the watch enthusiast community. Mm, that's interesting. So I would have thought that that's why everyone buys them. You know, it's a little it's a little championship belt for your wrist. You know, it's saying like, I did it. I saved my money. I worked really hard or my dad got really rich. Like it's all those things. <laughs> um, it, I, yeah, I would never have thought that the majority of Omega owners were, ah, oh, finally, coaxial escapement on my wrist. Yeah. No, that's that's just a that's just a nice thing to have that you can, you know, that if someone asks you about it, you can bore them with. Yeah, it's it's a very rose-tinted perspective from the watch enthusiast community on the average purchaser of an Omega. And I think that's more about a, a perception of influence on a brand. The watch enthusiast community probably thinks it has more influence on the direction that the brand goes than it does. And it really does. Mm. Um there's, of course, a need for Omega to cater for that community, and you see that with, with watches like the 321 and details like the Dot Over 90. But your average guy who knows about Omega, who saw it at the Olympics or in James Bond, isn't isn't going, oh, the Dot's not over 90, and that, that gives me pause. <laughs> They're going, oh, Omega, I'll wear that down the pub, and everyone will go, oh, nice Omega. Hey, you look like James Bond. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> um... And so here's another stat for you. Of the people who buy luxury watches, so 10% of those are enthusiasts, but the people who buy luxury watches, they only make up a third of the entire lifestyle market. So there is two thirds of a very large slice of people who aren't buying Omegas at all, who are in a market of people who buy lifestyle items for the brand and prestige. So... To add even more statistics for you, Rolex has nearly 30% of the watch market share. 30%. Wow. Everyone else, all the other watch brands that you can think of, even including the watch output of giants like Cartier, make up the remainder, the remaining 70% together, collectively. Mm. And to really put that into perspective, Omega comes number second with only 7%. Wow. Compared to... Rolex is 30%. And to really put that into perspective, of that 7%, 75% of that revenue for Omega comes from the Far East. Right. Only 25% of that 7% share. So a handful of percent of market share Omega has in Europe and America and everywhere else but the Far East. Right, okay, that's really interesting. So what this is saying to me is that the comments we're seeing around the internet about these Omega moon swatches is coming from a category of people which I fall under, which is luxury watch enthusiasts that don't buy luxury watches. <laughs> uh, what, pe people, spokespeople who don't necessarily have a stake in what they're speaking for. <laughs> yeah. 
Potentially. Yeah. You you see that in other communities. When um, Porsche released the KN, the 4x4, as a staple to help them earn more revenue in order to keep the company afloat to produce great cars like the 911, mm. the community, the car enthusiast community, was very outspoken against it. But the car buying community bought it in droves. Yeah. Big difference. Big, big, big difference. Um and to say as well that Rolex's 30% market share is quite evenly divided across Europe, the Americas, the Far East, and everywhere else, uh, where Omega's is not. So here's the four, here's the proposal for the Moonswatch. You get to talk to a, an audience that is younger than the average watch buying audience, the watch buyers of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You get to talk to a different demographic of people. That two-thirds of people who are in the lifestyle market who don't necessarily buy luxury watches. People who are all about trends like you know, Nike Times, Off-White and stuff like that. People who are in a different demographic of uh, price point as well. Um, this this Moonswatch is the hottest thing on Hypebeast right now. And that tells you everything about this proposal. Hypebeast didn't just report on this. Omega's CEO went to speak to them about it. This was a very, very targeted campaign to this specific audience. And you see in the comments on Hypebeast, people saying, oh, this isn't bad for $260. And people saying, oh, the matte finish on the metal looks nice. The person doesn't know that it's bioceramic and they're not really interested in that. Yeah. They like the way it looks. They like that it says Omega. They like the fact that it's cheaper. And if Omega can appeal to an enormous market like, forget trying to compete with Rolex on what it's doing. That's too far gone. Go for another bigger slice elsewhere. The trickle down from that two thirds of the lifestyle market that might be able to be converted into the other third that do buy watches could be far greater. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That's what my thought was. It, it feels like um, they're going for a completely different target altogether. Yeah. Because someone who was looking to buy a watch like an aspirational piece but wasn't there yet because we keep, we keep talking a lot about gateways and things like gateway pieces yeah. and 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 this will get enthusiasts going in and and more invested in the luxury watch market i i think if you're yeah you're you're sort of looking for your first luxury timepiece i think you'll look at those and they'll go oh look tiffany blue and yellow and they look a bit plasticky no no no, no that's not what i want i want something steel and that's going to look good in the office yeah so i'm going to go oh oh who's that tisso oh that oh yeah that looks more like it that sort of thing so i th- i don't think it's it's gonna affect anyone in the luxury space really i think it's i think it's sort of detached from that do you agree with that, or do you think do you think it, 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 this is this is what they're, they're trying to draw people into their main offering, their main catalogue? Well, I, I think this watch puts the Omega brand in front of a lot more people. It casts a much much wider net, yeah. with the hope that the trickle through to the core Omega brand it's it's like leafleting, isn't it? If you leaflet to a million people, um, and you get one percent of that phoning you up to use your photography business you're going to get more people phoning you than if you deliver that leaflet to a thousand people yeah sure sure. but of course when you deliver the leaflet to more people you then need to make the proposal more universally agreeable so you can't deliver your leaflet to a million people saying i do very very specific uh pet photography for gerbils yeah because most of those million people aren't going to come under that 
And I think that's the that's the big split between the for and the against. The for is that this product is very clearly aimed at a wider audience in terms of looks and price point. It's going to be purchasable and attractive to more people. Yeah. I think this watch will be a massive success. Where the grey area comes is, will that trickle-down work? Will the leaflets advertising your general photography services capture enough people willing to pay a high-end amount for premium gerbil photography? Or will that get lost in the melee? Will the people who want your premium gerbil photography be put off by the fact that your website has pictures of Johnny's birthday party and uh, Harry's bar mitzvah? Who uh, who aren't gerbils? They are certainly not gerbils. They're human children. So this leads me on to the against for Omega. Does it? This is the this is this is the this is the the point of view that I've seen um, for this product being bad for the main Omega brand. So we said that ten percent of the people who purchase a brand like Omega are enthusiasts, mm. and the ninety percent of those people are buying for prestige and brand. So Omega is only sustainable if that ninety percent of people carry on buying Omegas. It's it's almost been under before because of that, and they had to do the whole James Bond thing to put it in front of a mass market audience. Oh, James Bond's got one. I want that watch that James Bond has got. Mm-hmm. Those people don't know the Seamaster comes from a line of the Seamaster 300 and, uh, and all of that stuff. They don't know about the fight with Rolex for the Comex gig and anything like that. They just go, Bond had one, and that's cool. Yeah. And that's... That's a perfectly adequate reason for buying a watch. Um, Olympics too, same sort of deal. People see it and they go, oh, that's the watch they use for the Olympics. That's cool. I saw that really nice advert with all of the animation. Yeah. So this is the question. If those 90% of people are aiming to purchase an Omega because of the prestige and brand that it carries... Will knowing that the Swatch version also exists and looks very similar, carries the same look and feel, has the same brand name, which carries the same prestige, is available for $260, will those people be put off aiming for Omega as an aspirational brand? That's the part I'm stuck on. It's like, this one costs £200, this one costs £5,000. Yeah. I kind of feel like... I, I was not going to get the £5,000 one. That's not for me. That one is. Yeah. But for the for the person f- who can get the £5,000 one, I don't know. Will it, will, will it be enough to satisfy them to go, I've got the real deal, so I know that I'm winning? I, I don't know. Let's break it down into the three categories of audience. You've got the watch enthusiasts at 10%. They will probably buy both. Yeah. Fine. But they don't really count in the sense that they don't make up enough revenue to, to sustain the business. Clearly what Omega is trying to do here is catch up its 7% to Rolex's 30% uh, and catch up to its weight in Europe and America by appealing to that two-thirds of the lifestyle market. So the questions are really around the lifestyle market, the third that buys luxury watches, and the two-thirds that don't. If we look at the two-thirds that don't, They were never going to buy an Omega at that price point. But now they will buy an Omega Time Swatch. And maybe they will, some of them, be put onto Omega, the premium brand, and eventually buy one. So that may increase the growth of Omega as a prestige brand, potentially. Or 
it may bring it down and make it look and feel closer than the price disparity suggests for those people. That may not work. They're banking on enough of that big audience of those two-thirds people who see this on Hypebeast eventually buying a Speedmaster for reals. With a big question mark for me is over that uh, that 90% of the lifestyle audience who buys Omega for the prestige and the, the brand, they are into lifestyle enough that they will see the moon swatch, but they're not into Omega enough to buy it for the heritage and the technology and all of that stuff. How will those people react? That's my question. I'm going to get this this watch I've been after. You know, I've got that promotion, right? Let's have a look. Okay, oh, cool, Speedmaster. Oh, I went to the moon. Yeah, that's really nice. Hang on, wait, what's this one? Why is that so much more cheaper? Oh, oh, that's weird. And then, and then what are they going to do? Are they going to go, oh, forget that, I'll get a Rolex? Yeah, our Omega banking on the fact that they can't go and buy a Rolex. Yeah, <laughs> because I've heard as well that this is not going to be a limited run watch, the Moon Swatch, and you will eventually be able to purchase it online. Um, I think Swatch tweeted that to say that you will be able to purchase this online. So that then removes the element of it being a limited run hype piece with a huge amount of um, collector frenzy trying to gather it up. It, it will be readily available. Think about this, right? Do you remember the Rolex Domino's watch? That was a special internal piece for Domino executives, right? That wasn't that wasn't like widely available. Exactly. Yeah, they uh, Domino's had them made to gift their top managers for their, their performance. Yeah. If that were today an actual collaboration, how would that make you feel about Rolex? Um, uh, it'd be confusing, but. It wouldn't diminish any kind of sense of luxury or prestige, I don't think. It's just it's just a weird collaboration. Plus, it would probably still cost £5,000, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. If you saw, if the first time you saw it was just before The Simpsons <laughs> in an advert for Domino's Pizza, Rolex. Yeah. Do you think it would... Do you think they're even a small one? Do you think it would diminish your uh, feelings for Rolex as a premium aspirational brand? No, well, it, it would. I think this is this all comes down to price because that's what's aspirational about most of these timepieces is you aspire <laughs> to have that much money. You're right. What if Rolex did that watch, the Domino's watch, and it was two hundred dollars? Yeah. Well, this is this is what we're talking about. <laughs> Because that's what Omega's done, and I'm so confused. <laughs> I mean, really, what we're demonstrating here is that it's impossible to say. If this is the only thing that Omega does, and it's discontinued after a year, it could be very, very beneficial. It could open up Omega to a huge market uh, of, of that two-thirds of people who don't buy luxury watches at all in the lifestyle market who end up buying an Omega to start to eat into Rolex's market share in a very innovative and interesting and modern way, which I, I really find fascinating. Or it could take all of those people, sell them a moon swatch, they never buy anything from Omega, and those lifestyle people in the middle who don't care that Omega is a heritage brand go, oh, I'm a little bit put off buying an Omega now for the heritage perspective because I saw on Hypebeast there was that $200 one that looked identical. It remains to be seen. It really does. I think if Omega makes a habit of doing stuff like this, and I did see that they 
tried this with a few different brands in the Swatch group and even a brand outside of the Swatch group, um, I think if they make a habit of this, it will inevitably diminish over time the value of the brand. I think it would be a different story if they removed the Mission to the Moon edition and maybe tweaked the Mercury one so that wasn't so appealing. Because then it'd be sort of clean. You'd still have the solar system, you know, without the moon. But there's that one identifiable piece, that one iconic one that really, really looks <laughs> yeah. like a prestigious item. And I think that is that is what's gonna that's what's gonna put people off who who are aspirational buyers. They're gonna go, oh, that looks like the cheapo one. I'm not gonna get that anymore. Whereas, yeah, without that, they'd go, oh, look, there's a colourful range for kids, but I'm still gonna get the big boy edition. Yeah, I I know I know the pains of owning a Tudor and people saying is that a Rolex? Oh, <laughs> and sounding disappointed when you say no. And I paid a lot for my Tudor. Yeah, um, the difference would be far greater with this. Um, but anyway, without any real conclusion to that, but some interesting uh, insights. Let's hand it over to the comments. Say down in the comments below what you think about this relationship whether you side with the four reasoning and you think this could be a real interesting growth pro proposition for Omega with a new audience, or the against, where it could diminish the value to the aspirational market who uh, make up the majority of people buying Omegas today. I'd be really interested to see your thoughts. And um, if you enjoyed the video, please don't forget to subscribe. And uh, we're going to see you next week for lots of lovely Watches and Wonders coverage live from the event. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.